Year after year, one of the most consistent items on my do something list is to have fun with fashion. Exploring my personal style has added more joy to my everyday life and helped me feel more like myself on the regular. However, I have found that there are some brands I would love to explore more, but they are out of my typical price range. Or there's the it item that I would love to try out, but without the commitment of keeping it. Enter Armoire. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double-breasted black blazer from a new-to-me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style-obsessed, who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman-owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. You are listening to About Progress. This is episode 210, Why It's Difficult to Relate to Your In-Laws and How to Try, with Natalie Clay. Welcome to About Progress. I am your host, Monica Packer, and I am here to guide you toward living the life you want. Each week, you'll hear interviews and teachings on how to balance self-development with self-acceptance. Listen in and join our community that knows life is about progress, not perfection. When I was engaged to Brad, I remember asking my future in-laws, what should I call them? And in my head, I thought they would say mom and dad, like I heard my mom call her in-laws growing up. I just thought that was the way of things. So I was a little taken aback when they said I could call them by their first names. And that little story makes me laugh now because there really wasn't a wrong or right way to address them. But I came into that small example with what I thought was the right way when it really shouldn't have been about that. When you get married, I don't think you are fully prepared for the fact that you are joining an entire family with built-in systems, traditions, mannerisms, and beliefs nor are you prepared for just how much that will all play into your marriage for good and for bad. Today, we are speaking to couples coach, Natalie Clay, to help us understand why it's easy to put our in-laws in the bad enemy camp and what we can instead do to shift the way we relate to them. In other words, stop arriving in that relationship with our own idea of what right is while also having boundaries where we might need them. In-laws are going to be there no matter what and vice versa if you are the in-law. And Natalie teaches us today that it is actually possible to choose how you want to feel about them. 
And I know, I know, I admit that when she first said that early on in our interview, I did not get it, which you're going to hear me say, but by the end, I totally did. And I know you will too. Whether you're married right now, hope to be one day, or are in the in-law category yourself, this episode is going to help you better embrace this important part of your life. You will likely know Natalie from her coaching and podcast, Couples Coaching. While we chose to devote our time together to this important part of your marriage, your in-laws, Natalie has kindly given us a freebie on marriage, and it's called The Five Questions You Need to Ask Yourself Before Divorcing. And we've linked that for you in the show notes. You can see those show notes within your listening app right here, right now, or you can find the show notes on my website and look for this episode. You'll see it there. My website is aboutprogress.com. Before we have Natalie introduce herself, I have two announcements. I believe wholeheartedly that to improve your relationships, which we are focusing on this month, you need to first improve yourself. It is not selfish to cultivate who you are, your gifts, your interests, your passions. And if you're stuck, feeling lost in your own life because you've been stretched too thin for too long, come to my workshop November 16th in Salt Lake City, Utah. It's called Rediscover You because that's what I want to help you do. This is not just a feel-good speech. You're actually going to do work right with me and leave with a plan on hand for what you are going to actually do to step into your own identity again. This is my final live workshop of the year and probably will be my last live workshop in quite a while. But on top of that, we are also hosting a party that same night to celebrate our third year anniversary of About Progress. I seriously will not earn a cent from this party. It's priced to enable you to come eat great appetizers, unlimited mocktails, and mingle with your fellow progressors without worrying about your budget too much. I want to meet you in real life. So whether that's through the workshop, the party, or by bundling both together, you can find out more how to attend to them by getting your tickets at aboutprogress.com events. I am so excited to announce that enrollment is now open for Podcast U. This is short for Podcast University. It is my online podcasting school that I teach alongside my business partner, Rachel Nielsen of the 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms podcast. Together we have two courses, one on how to start a podcast and the second is how to grow a podcast. Whether you are brand new at this or you already have a podcast that you feel stuck with, we know that we can help you. It can be so overwhelming to start a podcast and it can be really depressing when your podcast isn't growing the way you'd like it to. We want to give you all of our tricks to the trade. You can find out how to enroll now until November 1st. That's when the doors close by going to podcastu.co. That's C-O. And good news, last time we taught some free classes and we're doing that again. You can sign up for two different free online Uh, classes and we're teaching two of each of those. You can find those at podcastu.co slash free class. One is three things you must know to start your podcast. And the second class is three reasons why your podcast is not growing and what you can do about it. Again, that's podcastu.co slash free class. My name is Natalie Clay and I live in Salt Lake City with my husband and we have five kids. And I have been coaching for a couple of years now. And in the last year, a little over a year, I um, decided to specialize in marriage coaching. So I do still, I still coach some individuals, but the majority of my time is spent um, 
spent coaching couples. Great. Yeah. And that's what inspired your, your new podcast. It's, yeah. it's new wish, probably not brand new, uh, couples coaching. Correct. Right. Mm-hmm. I, um, love it. And oh, I, I got to know you first, um, on Jody Moore's podcast, you guys yeah. did a whole episode about marriage that I like sent to everybody I knew. Oh, nice. um, and I've been listening to your podcast too. You really know your stuff. And oh, I know you. that people want you on the show to talk about relationships. And they might be a little disappointed at first because we're not talking about <laughs> a marriage relationship, but we are talking about a really part of a married relationship still. And it's with your in-laws. Yes. Uh, So let's just set the scene here a little bit. Let's just start with the foundational question of why. Why is it hard to get along with our in-laws or to connect with them or understand them or communicate with them? I mean, the list can go on. Why is it that way? Well, I think it makes a lot of sense that it will feel a little bit unnatural because if you think about even the dynamics in your own family, it can be tricky and and challenging at times, but you've kind of established your identity within that group. And when you get married to someone and then all of a sudden you take on their family, I think there's just this struggle for some autonomy where you want to feel like you have control over your own life and over your opinions and over the way you spend holidays and all these different things. And I think it's easy to kind of view them as somewhat of a challenge to some of that. Even though it doesn't necessarily have to be, I think it's human nature to want to kind of stake our claim a little bit and know we are in control of our decisions. Okay. So it's not, it's not like they're the devil, even with, <laughs> even hopefully with good in-law families, right? Yeah. Hopefully you didn't. I hear um, some stories. I don't know. Of Satan. Yeah. Um, but it's not that they're bad. It's that this is our nature to view someone as because they're different. It's bad. Is, is that what it is? And that challenged the identity piece too. Yeah, I think it's just kind of goes back to anytime it's some unknown and instantly we know that there's going to be some expectations going both ways there. And so when we are also trying to figure out what is our new identity in this relationship with our spouse, and then we all of a sudden have all these other people that also have views on how they think we should live and we're not completely sure yet Hmm. about who we are going to be, I think that can feel a little bit like a challenge even when it's not meant to be. All right. Can we talk a little bit more about expectations piece? Because I think this goes both ways in this relationship. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you just think about um, a lot of us do have ideas on what a mother-in-law should be or what a sister-in-law should be like, what that dynamic should be like. And so we bring that expectation into the marriage. And then they also have some ideas on what this is going to be like. For example, I have a sister-in-law who has all sons. And she talks about how excited she is for them to get married because then she'll have a daughter. And so when you think about the expectations that may go along with that, you know, that can kind of sometimes set us up for some disappointment. Whereas I think if ideally, if we could go into the situation knowing it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable at first, and that's okay. You have to give all of you time to kind of adjust to this new arrangement. But I think the best thing to do is just be open that we don't really know what this relationship is going to be. And in fact, it's going to be very unique to your personality and theirs, but just be open to maybe there could be some mutual benefit there. 
Okay. I love that you're already giving us some ways to just arrive at this a little bit differently because you specialize in this mindset piece so much, which is really life-changing when you look at it. Let's take one more look at one of those shoulds you brought up. It seemed like you brought up a lot of shoulds with those expectations. I think another piece to that is comparisons, Mm, right? We arrive with, Hey, this is how my family did it. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about that some more too. Yes, I think that's definitely true. Uh, You know, we see if there's a sister-in-law or a brother-in-law in our family, and we see that dynamic based on, you know, your parents' personalities, and we would bring some of those expectations into another situation. Or I've also seen situations where the home life wasn't amazing, and people think they're going to get married and then have this really loving family unit that they feel like they didn't have in their own household. Yeah, And sometimes that can be misleading as well. So it all just goes back to this idea that, like you said, anytime we compare or we have a preconceived idea on how something should go, we're really setting ourselves up for disappointment. Okay. All right. And we're also so. not, we're not open to being able to see what could be. Okay. You're not open to seeing what could be. That is really mm-hmm. interesting. Let's talk more in a minute about how to cultivate these relationships, like what sure. to actually do about it. But why should we even worry about this? Yes. Uh, you know, why should we not let things just be as they are if they're not in a healthy place or it causes a lot of friction in our marriage or even just internally? Um, why is it worth dealing with this a little bit better? Yeah. So I think that's a good question because it is human nature that if we can't really see the benefit in it for us, it's hard to want to put a lot of energy into it, into trying to make things better or seeing things from a different perspective. Whereas especially if you're married to someone and let's say you don't live in the same state as your in-laws, it can be very easy to just keep your story about these people and maybe really not enjoy them. But I think then you're kind of missing out on an opportunity to connect even deeper with your spouse to understand them better, maybe to even support them through some of the things that they're going to deal with in life. But not only that, is you miss out on the opportunity to connect with people that could potentially be somewhat of a permanent fixture in your life moving forward. And I think all of us could use more love and support. And I think if we're looking for it and we're open to it, in-laws really can provide that. We just have to know it's never going to feel the same way it feels with our own family for most of us, I should say. And that's okay. It's going to be something totally different, but maybe that's okay as well. Okay. Um, I think we just said okay a lot, but I am thinking <laughs> about a friend I have who described a relationship she had with her in-laws and how for a long time it really bothered her how unequal the attention was amongst the other siblings, like her, mm. her husband's siblings compared to their family. Mm-hmm. And she said, it used to really bother me. But Mm -hmm. now I just, it doesn't. So it's not that the relationship changed. It's how she viewed it. So maybe there's a piece to this about acceptance. Mm -hmm. Let's move into uh, talking about that first, but also what we can do about this. That kind of relates. um, They go hand in hand. So what can we actually do about this relationship? Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's uh, a good example that you used. And I've heard that before. And what's interesting is I've also coached Um, mother-in-laws who feel this pressure to try to divide their attention equally among the kids. So I think if like with your friend and this example that was struggling, feeling like they weren't getting enough attention, it's the only thing that's really causing her pain in that instance is what she's making that mean. Because for all we know, the reason they're not getting enough or as much attention is because 
these parents think that they're functioning at a very high level and they don't need as much support. It may not necessarily come down to they just don't like them as well or they don't relate or connect. And regardless, even that if that was true, if they just didn't really gel, you can still choose to have whatever kind of relationship you want to with your in-laws. So it doesn't have to be both people open to creating something better. Okay. Can you, can you elaborate more on that? You can choose to have the relationship you want with your in-laws. And I, and I, and I know I'm going to believe you in the end, but it's like one of those things like, but how, you know, doesn't it take two to have the relationship you want? Yes. Yes. And I hear that a lot. Yes. So if you think about it, like, let's just say your mother-in-law, I'm going to use an example of my mother-in-law. She's very sweet. And I have had to do some work on my thoughts around them because it was not a natural relationship for me in some ways. I I should say in other ways it was, but there were just some things that came up that I felt myself being really resistant to her. And like my thought when I is, you know, she'll say things like, She came to my son's soccer game the other week and she said, oh, look, that mom over there is putting sunscreen on her child. That's a good idea. And so my brain instantly says, oh, she doesn't think I'm as good of a mother and she's trying to tell me what to do. And so my stubborn side is like, yeah, good for her. Like, and of course, (laughs) if I was really in the place I would think ideally I want to be one day, I would think, oh yeah, that's a great idea. I'll put some sunscreen on my son. But I didn't really, I felt like my son was fine and he didn't need sunscreen. So in that moment, if I'm choosing to view it as she's telling me what to do, she doesn't think I'm a good mom, she doesn't respect me, that's going to create one type of relationship with my mother-in-law. Or if I chose to view that as it's so fantastic that all of us care about my son and she can have a different opinion on how much sunscreen he needs. And ultimately I am going to make the decision and it's okay that she doesn't agree, but we all agree that we really love him. Then that helps me feel a lot more connected to her. So again, when I just stay out of her head, I don't even need to know what she thinks of me as a mother or a wife to her son. As long as I'm just focusing on how do I want to feel about her And so what thoughts am I having that help me feel what I want to, then I get to tell myself whatever story I want. And that's going to be the relationship I have with her. Because really the relationships we have with people come down to the story that we tell about them. It really is so much less about the actual verbal exchange. Because if you think about it, if I'm looking at her and I've decided we both love my kids and we both have the same goal in mind, which is to raise them in the best possible environment, then whatever she does, I can choose to view it through that lens. Whereas if I think she's controlling and this is all about her and she's so nasty, I view everything she does and says through that lens and I will find it. Hmm. So in that way, I do have so much control where I don't really need to know what she thinks of me. I just know if I want to love her, that's possible no matter what she says or does. This is interesting to me because you're not talking about putting on blinders to reality. This isn't putting someone on a pedestal that maybe they don't even deserve. I mean, maybe uh, there are people who are going to take advantage of you or judge you, um, whether it's inward or outward. So it's not pretending reality isn't happening. Yes. It's not getting in their heads about Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And it's thinking about, well, with this reality, how do I still want to feel about it? Even if that's neutral, can you start with neutral? 
you can start with neutral. I think oftentimes we want to get to neutral, but neutral doesn't feel that great. It's fine. Yeah, but why okay. not get to love and appreciation? Because again, it's interesting when you bring up this idea of, you know, people can take advantage of us. I really don't think that anyone can take advantage of me without my permission. So if somebody is doing something and they have sinister intent, then that is going to affect the way that they feel about themselves or I can just leave that 100% in their court. And if I decide I want to help them and I don't need to know their reasons why, I've decided to help them and I get to live with the result of that. Okay. So they can call it taking advantage of, but I can decide, nope, that's who I wanted to be. And I can choose at every stage whether or not I want to keep helping them. And I feel totally okay about that. But I don't think that people have as much power over us as we give them. And the reason I like to own that is because then we don't need them to change in order to not feel victimized by these people and in order to feel whatever we want. Okay. And that just might be a classic case of this is a, a warning flag. If you feel taken advantage of or misunderstood, um, that's just a flag. Hey, you need to change what you're doing, even with your own boundaries and the thoughts you have about it. Yeah. So, and, and I like what you said earlier too. It's not about putting up blinders and deciding all their behavior is okay. I definitely know what things I'm okay with and what things I'm not. And if like, say for example, if my mother-in-law said, I'm going to go get your son and I'm going to put sunscreen on him, I might decide, yeah, that's a no, like he's fine and I don't want sunscreen on him. And I mean, that's a silly example. <laughs> I can't yeah. really imagine that playing out. Yeah. But do you see, I still maintain all of my opinions, but that doesn't change the fact that I can still view her as regardless of how she's showing up, we are in this together. We both love my son. Now okay. I'll still say no though when it's, when it's a no for me. Okay. I like that distinction. All right. So I've heard a lot of ta uh, reframing the story we build in our minds, yes. arriving with openness. What yes. else would you say is a good way to better cultivate this relationship? Yes. I think one of the best ways to cultivate that relationship is to decide I am going to go in there and I'm going to decide that it's going to feel uncomfortable and that's okay. I'm going to let it take as long as it needs. And if I find myself being really critical of these people, I'm not going to be hard on myself and, and decide I'm doing it all terribly because that doesn't help at all. But really the best thing to do is just notice where that's coming from. So if you hmm. find yourself feeling a lot of judgment toward them, like that's coming from a protective place in you where you're really not getting your own back. So in those moments, I like to look and say, why is that bothering me? Why, in what way am I feeling insecure and deciding that they should be different so that I can feel better? Mm -hmm. And then once you kind of work through that, then another tip I really like is to go in and decide, I am just going to decide that whatever they think of me is none of my business and it's irrelevant to our relationship. I am just going to focus on really understanding them. And if that is your focus, you're like, I want to understand, you know, maybe they come across where my mind might tell me they're being really controlling, but I wonder what that's about. Like, why did, where's that coming from? Because almost all the time we can find that it is coming from a good source, a good place, whether it's my mother-in-law being protective of her son who I've married and, you know, her thoughts on, on what a wife should be. And if, as long as I'm getting my own back and deciding I'm totally not the wife she thought I should be to her son. She definitely came into this thinking I would be cooking for her son every night, and I definitely don't. And she's disappointed in that, and that's okay. I'm not. I'm okay with it. 
So it's just, but just being really open to where is she coming from? I want to really understand her and get in her head. Okay. I love this because I'm also thinking of two friends who kind of seem to have Perfect. the opposite problem. Um, one, one has in-laws who are really in their business almost, you know, yes. showing up unexpected, um, yes. trying to tell how to discipline the kids, you know, doing all those kind of things that you might see on the sitcoms. Yes. And then I have another friend who showed up in the marriage thinking they would have a second set of parents. Yes. And being disappointed that they were so hands off. Yes. And it's interesting that it's such the reverse, but what you're saying, you know, it makes so much sense to me is you accept the discomfort, you get curious about your feelings, but if you work on understanding them, that helps. So the one friend realized, like you said, it was more of a protection of their, their, her in-laws were really involved because of what worries they had and the relationship they wanted to maintain. Whereas the ones that were hands off were because they were not raised by parents who were hands on. That's right. That's and when right. they understood that, it released the the worry about it. Yes. And I love that example you give because it shows that we tend to think there's this right and wrong way to be in all these different roles that we play. Hmm. But that's such a perfect example of how there is no right way to be an in-law or to be huh. a daughter-in-law. It's okay. We all just have these ideas of what we're looking for. So in those situations, I think it's great to know, okay, if they're going to want to come over all the time unexpected and offer, you know, try to parent our kids, then maybe I need to have a conversation with them about that. And, and maybe I don't open the door when they come and they knock or whatever it is, like you have to decide what works for you. Because if you just decide it's okay, they can come in, they're well-intentioned, but you're really not okay with it, then that might seem loving in the moment, but you're going to be left with some resentment. Mm. And resentment is one of those things where it always comes from you not taking care of your own needs, deciding their need to feel accepted in your home is more important than your need to feel some sense of ownership, I should say, over what's going on in your household. And so you can never make that choice because it's loving in the moment, but you're left with resentment. Mm -hmm. So what I'd suggest is if you can get yourself to a loving reason why you want to let these parents in and let them you know, help with the kids. Perfect. Do it. And if you can't figure out what does work and communicate that to them Mm -hmm. and then decide if they don't like that, it's okay. Okay. Yeah. The thought that just came to mind for me is this will never be perfect. Right. You know, no matter which way this goes, it's never going to be perfect. Yeah. That's that's kind of a relief. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I definitely wouldn't aim for perfection. I'd say it's because of that friction though, that allows opportunities for growth. And Mm -hmm. if it's really easy, I mean, that's fun when it is. And with some friendships, it is that way. But when we have to work through it a little bit, what comes on the other side is actually more trust and sometimes a deeper connection. Hmm. This is so fascinating for me. So that was, that was helpful. You walked us through a couple of things that we can do. Is there anything that we should probably stop doing? Yes. I would say don't look to them to meet your needs. So with the example you gave with the woman who was looking for a second set of parents, yeah. if I think it's great, and I think a lot of people would love to fulfill that role for her, but would very likely not be assuming that's what she's wanting. So if it is, I think it's great for her to communicate that. And that could even look like something saying, um, you know, can you, do you guys want to come over? Or I want you to feel like you can come over anytime or however she would communicate that, hmm. but that's going to greatly increase the chances that she's going to have that relationship she wants. But more than anything, just decide for yourself, like, what is it that I want to do to have a great relationship? And that's, and here's one other tip. 
anytime you have the thought, they should be doing this, or they should be more of this, that's a little trick for you to know. It's really hard to change people, but when you're thinking they should be doing something, that's usually what you need to be doing. So like if I'll say they just need to understand more that I don't want them to stop by all the time, how can you turn that around on you? And I'd say, well, I just need to be more understanding that they think that's how you show love. And so what could I really do to address this? Well, I can just communicate more and, and have a loving conversation and not expect them to read my mind. And, and so one other piece with that is stay out of their heads. We get in so much trouble when we're trying to determine their behavior to decide how we can feel around them. Whereas if you just decide, I'm going to just love them and I'm going to allow myself to be irritated sometimes and it's all fine, then you don't need to know as much about what they think about you when your job is to like you. Your job is to believe that you're a great daughter-in-law and wife and mother, whatever your role is. And so when you make that your job, then whatever they think is, is less important. Oh, Natalie, this is so good. People are going to love this. I also imagine people are going to be feeling a little full in their heads, just thinking like, there's so many different things I needed to to work on changing internally and maybe setting some boundaries externally or communicating better. And it can be a little overwhelming. What is one way they can start? Like one doable thing they can do to start this? I love that. Yes. So good. So I think the Really, this kind of solves any problem that you're having in your life, but the root of it all goes back to how you feel about you. Because if you think about people that are truly confident, anytime they are met with any sort of resistance or conflict, they know they're comfortable showing up in that situation. It's not that it's it's super comfortable, but they know how to handle themselves. And so when in doubt, just be there for you. Just ask yourself, why am I not getting my own back? What am I making their behavior mean about me? Now this is an area where I need to develop some more confidence. Huh. It's so it's so interesting. It really does go back to that. And I can see it now. I can see it better because it's easier to make it about them. Yes. Right? Yes. It's harder to make it about us. Always. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about what that can look like when we are, when we have our own back, when we're being there for ourselves and what that can do about our relationships in general, since people did want to hear from you about that too. And then we'll, we'll end on that. Yeah. So I think one way to delve into that a little deeper is to ask yourself, like if you're in a situation and you feel that conflict or you feel like you're being attacked is usually what it, how it sort of shows up to ask yourself, what am I making their words or their actions mean about me? And that will reveal it to you. Like, oh, they think I'm, I'm irresponsible or they don't think I'm a good daughter-in-law. Then that always tells you where you're not getting your own back. Like, oh, because again, if, if I just believed a hundred percent that I'm an amazing daughter-in-law and, and my mother-in-law said, you know, you really, it's sad that you don't cook more often. I could maybe even find some truth in that. Like, I know, wouldn't that, he would love that, but actually he loves to cook. So it's fine. (laughs) So do you know, like it wouldn't have the same sting as it does when part of me believes it and thinks, what if she's Mm -hmm. right? What if I am not as, as good as I should be? And so, but just to allow for that, because this doesn't just happen overnight, but you do need to give yourself some time to notice like, yeah, that stung a little bit. And then we start thinking, okay, something's gone wrong. Either she's right and I'm not doing it, doing it right, or I'm right. And she shouldn't have said that. Hmm. Whereas really when we just decide, no, none of that's true. There is no right or wrong way to be in these roles. 
there's just her opinions and there's who I am. And the more I can practice just being okay with where I'm at today, that's what actually propels us to grow and be more of who we want to be. All right. I don't think we can end on a better note than that. I mean, this is giving me all kinds of good feelings, but also really motivated Great. to work on this. And what I love about it is, like you've said, I'm finally getting this now. This can be something you are working on one-sided. Absolutely. I'm finally getting it. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just be patient with it. Number one, be patient with yourself. Notice the judgment that you're having of yourself because sometimes that's the most uncomfortable thing is when I'm around my mother-in-law and I'm judging her, I am also judging me for judging her. Yeah. And that feels so much more uncomfortable than anything she's doing. Mm-hmm. So just, just allow it to be what it is. It is not, it doesn't feel supernatural to just combine even as a spouse and then let alone all these other people. Let it take some time. Just notice that all the th- things your brain is telling you that's going to cause you danger. And no, there is no danger. Everything's going to be fine. You're going to figure this out. And it's just going to be a little bit of a process and that's okay. Yeah. Things can evolve um, for better, which I think is a really hopeful way to look at this. Um, Okay. Natalie, how about you tell everyone where they can find you? Yeah. So I do an Ask Natalie Anything call um, every couple of months. I have one, my next one's coming up in November, but it's, if you just go to natalieclay.com forward slash consult, because I used to do consultations. Um, but that's where I answer questions live. And so usually that's about marriage questions, but that's fun because you can come and just listen to hear other people's questions be answered and and get your questions answered as well. And that's where I always talk about any opportunities there are to work with me. And then, as you mentioned, I also have my uh, podcast. It's couples coaching with Natalie Clay and my website where I have, um, if you're considering divorce, I have a um, some, a little bit of information there, um, a document that you can have free access to. It's the five questions to ask yourself before divorcing. So I hope that's helpful. Ooh, that sounds super, super good. Natalie, yeah. I'm so honored to have you on. Thank you very much for taking the time for us. Thank you so much, Monica. It's so great to speak with you. I am so glad you listened to get the hug and kick in the pants you needed to grow. Let's take your learning to the next level. Print off this month's progress plan that is free by going to my website aboutprogress.com free. Also join our free and private Facebook group called A Work in Progress via the link in my show notes, which you can also find on my website aboutprogress.com. And best of all, be heard on this show. Be featured on the last episode of each month that is called Dear Progressor, where our listeners really, really shine. To learn how to do this, go to aboutprogress.com slash be on the show. You do have something of great value to share with this community, and we all need to hear you. Thank you so much for being here. And remember, life is about progress, not perfection. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.